Hello, hello, good evening, and welcome to your Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I am your host, the content machine, Liam Crowley, joined alongside by one of my favorite crews to share this virtual stage with. First, to my right, the man behind the machine, Wrestling Inc. founder and owner, Mr. Raj. Gary, Raj, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure with you guys, too. How are you guys doing? I'm fantastic. I'm excited to be here. We have a packed show both on the wrestling and entertainment front, and that's why we brought in the big guns. To my far right, the maestro behind some of Impact Wrestling's most popular themes, it's Matt Kuhn. Matt, it is great to see you once again. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I look forward to talking about all this stuff. I think the one thing we shouldn't talk about maybe is like CM Punk's Ring of Honor theme. Besides that, I think everything's on the table, right, Raj? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. I didn't know what it was after the initial dun 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 dun, dun but some yeah. assholes screen capped it and made it seem like uh I was doing that during the actual song. But it's, it's a huge it's a huge lesson in faux outrage, right? That whole thing that happened with you know a couple guys, and by the way, I'm one of them. My son knew I didn't. I'm like, what's going on? But the context, but really how the faux art uh, outrage took hold of Twitter was kind of an amazing thing people should study for years. Oh my gosh. And it, I mean, not, I got the, I got some of it. I saw a bunch of other people. It was like a thing for two days where right. the, the guy at the wrestling observer who writes <laughs> for the site and then Dave ripping on him. I mean, maybe not him directly, but indirectly. It was just, it was, it's, it reminds me why I try to avoid social media a lot when I'm not, uh, when I'm not working. Yeah. I didn't know what the theme was, and it's been in my playlist ever since. So I think that's the way we should approach it. We enjoy <laughs> something new. We don't complain about it. We we bring it in to our entertainment lexicon. And that's what we do here on the Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. We balance things with both Squared Circle News and the worlds of Hollywood, movies, TV, whatever is going on. We will talk about it this week. We have some packed news from the worlds of DC, the Batman and Black Adam updates, as well as a story from the galaxy far, far away. Obi-Wan Kenobi has officially dropped its first trailer. But first, we'll kick things off inside the squared circle with some wrestling news. And that starts with the charismatic enigma. Jeff Hardy is all elite. This news has been building and snowballing for months since as far back as December when he was initially released from WWE. Everyone expected a Hardy Boys reunion sooner rather than later. And I think on the day he became an official free agent, Jeff Hardy made his way to AEW. He saved his brother Matt from a beatdown from Andrade, Private Party, and the Butcher and the Blade. Sting and Darby Allen also inside the ring. AEW was able to acquire the license for that iconic Hardy Boys theme, one that was used in WWE for several decades. Raj, I'll go to you first on this topic. How do you think Jeff Hardy is going to fare in AEW considering all the recent free agent signings? I, I think he'll do great. Um, I mean, he has done great everywhere he's went. You know, he's uh is very i mean charismatic is in his uh taglines oh and and it's so fitting i mean jeff hardy is a, he's a superstar and he's one of those that you know in wwe when they first started pushing him back when triple h was a heel and and he beat triple h on an episode of raw one time and you really saw fans were just gravitating to him and and they always did and then they had triple h squash from the next week but um even way before he first got in the, the really got in the world title picture, you saw that he was a star and that maybe his size is something that, you know, was holding him back in WWE. But, you know, once, once they let him go, I mean, he was, he was getting better reactions there for a while than John Cena. So he's a big deal. Um, you know, him with Matt Hardy, I think everyone wants to see the Hardy boys together. I think no matter what you say, AEW, they have a packed tag division, but the main event stuff is still the singles, you know, feuds and matches. And I, eventually, I think after you, you do a couple of big tag matches, I think Jeff Hardy needs to be a single star. It's a very interesting take uh, when it comes to Jeff Hardy, because I do agree the sky is the limit for him as a singles wrestler. Matt, I'm curious with Jeff Hardy being able to fare in both the tag and singles division, who are some opponents you'd like to see him face? Oh, well, it was interesting to see when he made his uh, debut and Sting is in the ring with him, right? And Sting mm -hmm. is the guy he had that past with, especially that moment with Eric Bischoff. Of course, Darby Allen. Of course, all these people that have been influenced by Jeff Hardy. I think Jeff Hardy is one of the top 10 influential wrestlers of all time. Uh, his style 
really caught on. You know, this you see probably ten guys on the on the uh, on AEW use the Swanton, including the Young Bucks. And to Raj's point, you know, even when the Hardy Boys were a thing, Jeff was special. Jeff always had it. A lot of us always saw that he had it. And it goes to show that Jeff Hardy has made a return like this or an appearance like this probably about five or ten times already. Like five or ten times. Like, oh, wow, Jeff Hardy's here. He's always a big deal. He's always going to get draw people in. And he's a bit more of a mainstream name, I think, than people think he is. Uh, there's many. I, I, we went to a, a an old TNA Impact show where literally he was the name guy there. And everybody was there to see Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy's a draw. He really is. He absolutely is. And you mentioned the mainstream appeal. I often like people will laugh, but on TikTok, when you see people still doing the like the Jeff Hardy dance, like all these years later, that's an influence on a younger generation that he's a part of that echelon of the Randy Orton's, the John Cena's, the Rey Mysterio's. Jeff Hardy is right up there in terms of iconography he has with his look, with his moveset, with what he's doing as he enters to the ring. And that pop he got just clearly shows it. The cheers were building up. We were hearing Hardy, Hardy. And all of a sudden that music hits and the place exploded for Jeff Hardy inserting himself into a feud that most people really don't care about. The AHFO, whatever was going yeah. on there, yeah. very low down the card. Jeff Hardy is an immediately sh immediate shot of adrenaline to everything going on with all those guys. Raj, I want to ask you now, do you think this is the Hardy Boys swan song? Because a lot of people were saying back in 2017, oh, they're back. They made the return at Mania. They'll have some fun feuds and then they'll officially go their separate ways and retire as singles. Here we are five years later, another reunion. Is this the last one? You would think so, but never say never. <laughs> you know, they, they as long as they draw, as long as they can go. Do I see them going back to WWE? I, you know, barring something unforeseen, uh, not as talent. You know, I'm sure one day they'll definitely be inducted in the Hall of Fame and, and, and all that. But, um, you know, they, they just, Matt Hardy just re-upped uh, his contract. He revealed on Twitch. So they're sticking around for a while. And and he re-upped his contract to match when Jeff's end. So they're going to be around for a while. And I believe, what did he say on his Twitch? Well, um, yeah, it's years. So, Yeah, Miro is also there, someone who also re-signed his contract. And it doesn't sound like they're going to be short-term deals. Seems like it's three-year minimums. Uh, Matt, in terms of Jeff Hardy's foreseeable future in AEW. This AHFO stuff will be going on. Where do you see him ending up by the year's end? By the year's end, I think the Hardys are a thing. And I think the Hardys are going to be staying in tags. I don't see Jeff doing a lot of singles right now because uh, let me tell you, that division is completely stacked. The singles division, the men's division is stacked. Try, try, try to make a fantasy card for double or nothing. See what happens. See what happens to your to your groupings without having to do like triple threats and six mans and all this kind of stuff. Jeff Hardy stay in that tag division. I, of course, we want to see them with the Bucks. Of course, we want to see them with FTR. Of course, we want to see them with um, Daniel Bryan and Mox. But I don't see him doing anything but tags uh, at this point in time because they don't have room. Did you see that tweet I sent earlier about double or nothing? I didn't. Well, I, I was kind of doing that, just kind of looking at the booking and uh, and uh, where it's kind of seems like they're going. And, and I just typed up like five matches off the top of my head that kind of looks like where they're going. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this thing could be just stacked. And here's what I got. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, mm -hmm. Hangman versus CM Punk. Kenny Omega I had the same versus... one. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Omega versus Cole. Um uh, MJF versus Wardlow, Daniel and Mox versus Jurassic Express. And, you know, they're, they're not building to this yet, but could easily happen as the Young Bucks and the Hardy Boys. Ooh. For sure. I did the same thing. I came up with like five matches. I think I came up with FTR versus Mox and, uh, um, you know, Danielson. And of course, I also thought CM Punk, it's time to get a mainstream guy to have that title. If you're not going to give it to Cole, give it to a mainstream guy, give it to CM Punk. But as soon as you make those first five matches, what happens? You see 30 guys that are left off that cannot be left off. Right. It is an astounding thing and a pretty good problem to have, I think, despite what some people think. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, th I think having a very heavy roster and having to you know migrate people around the card 
is not a bad thing by any means. And double or nothing, we are on the slow road there. We're not quite in the fast lane yet, but we're going to be seeing how the double or nothing card is going to shake up over the coming weeks. And one thing that's coming up closer than double or nothing is Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor. And Ring of Honor, ever since that Super Card show was announced, has gone through a complete 180, a complete facelift, if you will. Tony Khan officially bought the promotion last week, announcing it on Dynamite. This deal is expected to be fully completed by early April, but the plans for Ring of Honor are still kind of in limbo. Ring of Honor employees are currently being encouraged to explore new career opportunities as Tony Khan's team is not expected to hire everyone back. Severance packages are also being considered an honor club, the Ring of Honor streaming service that currently exists. Uh, currently exists. Uh, that fate will be decided pretty soon on a call between AEW and Ring of Honor. Coming from SE Scoops, a quote about Ring of Honor's future uh, when it comes to their employees. They said, we're fighting for you and exploring how to help everyone. If you want to stay in the wrestling business, we're doing our best, but there's no formal transition planned and no guarantee that anybody will stay on. So a lot of flux right now going on with Ring of Honor. Everyone kind of roared and cheered at Tony Khan purchasing the company, essentially saving Ring of Honor in terms of giving them some stability. But we don't really know what the future of Ring of Honor looks like. Raj, I'll go to you first on this. Will Ring of Honor, through this entire transition period, retain its identity? I mean, Tony Khan said he plans on booking it. Um just historically, whenever you've seen a big company purchase the smaller companies, uh, it ends up being the big company that stays. We saw it with WWE, with you know ECW and WCW. We saw it with UFC when they purchased WEC. They purchased Pride with WEC. They tried to keep them as two separate groups. With Strike Force, they tried to keep them as two separate groups. Ultimately, you have more name, you know, uh, more value in the main brand. So it's like, why are we doing? shows with the lesser brand when we just change the brand name and you get more business right away now they're you know roh they're getting the library obviously that could be a big thing um i don't know with streaming what the demand is for just a tape library for wrestling without live content and you know this is something i mentioned before but you know peacock if they weren't getting wrestlemania and the royal rumble and and you know these live specials it doesn't mean nearly as much to them. And I, I, I can't think of any sports where, you know, the uh, a streaming service has paid big money for just the library and not live streaming sports. So that being said, if Tony Khan with ROH, not only does he have the ROH library with the AEW library on, say, an HBO Max, but he also does the specials on HBO Max for ROH and it gives users a reason to subscribe, you know, then... That could be a big deal. So it, it, there are just so many different ways it could go. Right now, historically, it hasn't worked out, but we're in a different world right now, too. That's a good point. Yeah, the tagline, after all, is not Hulu has a sports tape library. It's Hulu has live sports. That's what people care about. They care about the live aspect, for sure. Matt, what do you see uh, coming of Ring of Honor in the next month? Well, in the next month, they, we're going to get the answers. I think Supercard of Honor is going to let us know Really, what's going to happen? I think it's going to be, uh, you know, speaking to what Raj was saying about the history of a bigger company swelling up a, a younger company. The difference is Tony Khan. Tony Khan's one of us. Tony Khan is a fan who has much more reverence for WCW and ECW and Ring of Honor than even I do. You know, like this guy has, and he's also uh, demonstrated that he's learned from the mistakes of the past. He understands the mistakes that have been made and he lacks a lot of that ego that's involved uh that vince has as far as you know i want this to be wwe the whole time he wants ring of honor to be ring of honor because he loved ring of honor vince mcmahon was not a wcw fan or ecw fan tony khan the last thing tony khan wants to do is put ring of honor out of business that guy loves some ring of honor so it's either going to be i think a separate brand or kind of a developmental situation uh, he said he's going to book both which to me sounds like an extremely daunting task a lot of work uh, but I definitely think he's going to try. And there's no doubt in my mind that Ring of Honor a year from now will be in a lot better shape than it was two years ago. 
And that's also on top of his tasks with Fulham, the the Premier League football club, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like he only has seven days, twenty four seven days a week, twenty four hours a day, like any one of us. So. Who knows? But we do know that teams do come along with this. We do know that it's not always just one man booking. There can be a committee. And when it comes to what that team is going to look like for Ring of Honor, Raj, I'll go to you first on this. Are there any names that stand out to you from being backstage personnel that you could see being in ROH? Um, I can see Joe Coff. You know, if you are going to if you are going to run it as a separate brand, um, I, I think Joe Coff you'd want in there just because he was kind of the face, you know, uh, the the main figurehead, and so it, it kind of immediately gives it that feel of this is still Ring of Honor. So I mean, that would be the biggest one. I, I don't know if he needs a lot of the other staff. I know Mark Kruskal, who's done an amazing amazing job uh, with their PR over the years, uh, was told he's not going to uh, stay on, and uh, you know they have their own team to do a lot of this stuff. So I don't see many people staying on with the staff. And Not a lot of, unfortunately, a, a, a lot of their team are people with roots in ring of honor. Uh, you have Jeff Jones, who's with AEW, who worked with ring of honor. You've got BJ Whitmer. You've got uh, Christopher Daniels. You have a lot of people who not only are people that you can just shift over there, but people that have roots and care about ring of honor and whatever, differentiation he wants to make if he wants to make it more like of a like the ring of honor pure type wrestling or whatever it is he wants to do there he not only has people on board who can do it but he's got people on board who probably want to do it and care about doing it and i think that's a really important factor it's a really good point and when it comes to retaining ring of honor's identity i think having a couple of those guys still on board is important but when you talk about maybe shifting it into aew developmental I look at a recent signing of someone like William Regal who had such a great hand in building NXT to what it was, and it worked for many, many years. So I don't see why you wouldn't use the backstage mind of someone like a Regal down in an ROH if it does kind of turn into a developmental territory. And also there's a lot of guys who helped, you know, kind of create NXT and make it what it is that are currently free agents. Road Dog is still out there. He hasn't been brought back. I know a couple of Triple H's guys, recently were brought back to NXT, but no one too big. The entire committee is still kind of in every other direction. Raj, any names from maybe the NXT 1.0 era that you could see going over to ROH? Well, as a developmental league, I, I just don't see the value. Uh, they already have developmental with dark and elevation. You know, that's where they're bringing up younger guys. Uh, you know, at the Nightmare Factory, that's kind of their school. So you're you're basically you're not going to be making money with ROH as a developmental league. And look, if if it's just basically you're basically have dark with ROH, you know, with a with different letters. And I don't know if there's much value in that because you know the the cost of running live shows or if they're going to do it televised, you know, it's pretty it's pretty high. So I, I guess I, I just don't see um, the value of running ROH as a developmental league. I think you almost have to have it bigger than that for it to really be worth your investment. Sure. I think a, a soft kind of like a soft developmental, I think works well where it does actually work as a developmental, what dark was doing, but, but also sprinkling some of those headliners in there. So it doesn't appear like it's a developmental, uh, you know, promotion, but there's developmental stuff going on. You have people, of course, like William Regal, although I don't know what he did behind the scenes besides being coached, and he also was, you know, the figurehead. But guys like Chris Hero, yeah. you know, what's that? He was a scout, too. Oh, that's right. He was at PWG. But guys like Chris Hero, who was in NXT 1.0, but also did some work with Ring of Honor, could be a big, a good fit back there as well. Yeah, there's a lot that's going to uh, transpire over the next month. And Matt, you mentioned we feel like we're going to get our answers. Real, well, Matt, I, I, the one argument I'd say with that is they do kind of still, they do sprinkle in top guys on Dark and elevation you know you'll see moxley on dark and and you know some of the other top stars but once people have it in their minds that it's developmental or it's the b show or the b promotion i mean we kind of saw what happened with nxt it was never able to kind of break onto the that next level yeah it's true you know if they can figure out some differentiation beyond developmental right where you say okay jonathan gresham is only on ring of honor or you have guys that are only on there. It, it definitely can't be like dark. We're like, oh, Daniel Bryan's here doing a squash. But it is a fun thing if you think about 
when we see guys the first time, we might see them on Ring of Honor, you know? And mm-hmm. NXT 1.0, as a developmental, I would argue, was awful. NXT 1.0, as a promotion, was pretty darn fun and pretty good. And if they can capture the differentiation that NXT had to WWE at the time, that could be a very good thing for Ring of Honor. Uh, of course, the developmental thing, you could do it or not, but they definitely need to make it different. And like you said, it can't be seen as less than. But NXT wasn't. NXT was seen as different, I think, especially during its heyday. That's a good point. And before NXT, there was FCW. And I've been on a little bit of an FCW kick, a little bit of an FCW YouTube rabbit hole, just catching up on some old matches, very much inspired by William Regal showing up in AEW. And I was watching some William Regal, Dean Ambrose stuff that was going on down there. And even though that wasn't truly televised, like there is some sort of inspiration you can pull there for a ring of honor where you have your developmental guys, but then you can have guys migrate from AEW proper television to ROH to kind of have those one-off feuds every now and then. If Jonathan Gresham is on an absolute tear and he wants to test himself against Brian Danielson, you bring him down and then things might get wonky because you probably don't want Brian Danielson losing to Gresham, but still I think stuff can work. And I think we're going to get some of those answers and something along those lines of migrating talent on Supercard of Honor, which is coming up in early April during WrestleMania weekend. Raj, what do you look at Supercard of Honor shaping out to be? All we really know so far is Swerve Strickland's going to be there. Yeah, I mean, it kind of feels like, let's get the show out of the way and then we can put our plans in for for what's next. The real new Ring of Honor. You know what I mean? Like this was announced ahead, you know, before... It's, it's more, you know, I, I don't think Tony Khan would do this otherwise because he's flat out said he doesn't want to do shows piggybacking off of WrestleMania. And that's what, you know, this show kind of does. So I just feel like it's it's just something to to get through and move past so you can move to the next step. What about you, Matt? I think DeRoz is 100% right. This has the, this was like uh, something they booked to go, hey, we're not done yet. But now it's got this whole new spirit. And I think we're going to see probably, like you said, the end of what was planned, but also probably a good insight in the beginning. There's some good questions like, you know, Deanna Parazzo, uh, she's got the best theme song in wrestling, I think. Uh, that's unbiased saying that. But she's the Ring of Honor champion, right? So where where do these championships go? Do we have Bandito Gresham? And are they part of the future? I think we'll have a lot of those answers we're going to see some run-ins. We're going to see some angles. We're going to see this is the biggest, uh, you know, the the biggest time and the biggest platform that they'll be able to kind of show off what they're doing. So I think we'll see not just the end, but a new beginning at Supercard of Honor. Yeah, I like that. I think all eyes are going to be on Ring of Honor come that weekend to just kind of get a sense of the future plans. And all eyes were on both WWE and AEW this week. We got some numbers here for you in the ratings department. Raw coming in with 1.78 million viewers, a 0.45 rating in that key demographic of 18 to 49. Number one on the cable top 150. Pretty even numbers compared to the previous week. Up in viewership by about 1%. Down in demo by about 4%. Raj, you're the numbers guy here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast and WrestlingInc.com in general. What do these numbers mean for WWE on the road to WrestleMania? Um, I mean, the news has kind of been dominating everything right now. So, that, you know, that's clearly hurting all of wrestling a little bit. I don't think it's hurting it that much. But, you know, anytime you're number one on cable, um, you know, it's a solid thing. And and this was one of those weeks where in the seven-day span, SmackDown was number one on network. Raw was number one on cable on Monday. And Dynamite was number one on cable last night. So, Three nights where you have the top show in in one category or the other is wrestling. So you know it's it's a pretty you know it's a pretty big deal. Cable isn't what it used to be. Granted, you know we're, when you see all these big shows coming out now, these big scripted shows, most are going to streaming, but it's still a big feat. And you know AEW beating the NBA last night, um, you know for, for a promotion that hasn't been around you know more than it wasn't around three years ago. Uh, or, or didn't have TV three years ago. It wasn't running TV three years ago, I should say. Mm-hmm. It's you know that's a pretty huge feat. Matt, when you look at these raw numbers, do you see raw needing to go above, say, that two million threshold before WrestleMania? Oh, I don't know if they're ever going to see two million again. You know, like 
I think those days are gone. Like I remember when the panic started, when they're like, they're at three, they got below three and it's like, they're below 2.5. They're comfortably below two. Like it's, it's not, you know, they, they, they're doing really well right now, comparatively where they did a couple months ago. And even for WrestleMania season, I think they're doing pretty well. AEW is up an, an incredible amount from last year at the same time. I think they had a show that did 745,000 uh, last year. And so, 945 people aren't going crazy about it, but it's huge over last year. Also worth mentioning the online presence situation. If you have 945,000 people watching Dynamite, but a million people watch the YouTube clip of Jeff Hardy debuting on AEW, man, that is a metric that can't be ignored. It's a really good point. And you mentioned the AEW viewership, so let's get into it a little bit. 945,000 viewers a 0.4 rating in that key demographic and number one on the cable top 150 pretty significant shift in terms of viewership compared to last week or just ratings overall just down two percent from last week's 966 up 14 percent from last week's 0.35 in the key demo and get this one up from last week's number eight on the cable top 150 soaring up to the number one spot Raj, I kind of just put it a question here. Help me understand Dynamite's ups and downs because how are we going down in viewership, up in the key demo, and surging from eight to one in the cable top 150 all in the same week? Well, the war was still newer, I guess. And it was, you know, when that first happened, the news was just dominating. So that's that's the big reason why. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of interesting things in this number. And, you know, you know, the one thing is that the lead in was gigantic, you know, with Big Bang Theory, because that first quarter did like one point. Let me look it up here. Um, it did. It was in the seven figures. Yeah, it was one point one one three million viewers. So one point one million viewers. And then that dropped in that second quarter for the Adam Page uh uh, Dante Martin match to 927,000. So that was a steep 17% drop in viewers, a uh, 15% drop in 18 to 49. And it kind of stayed at that level the rest of the show. Um, so, and, and, you know, we talk about year to year and they are up a lot year to year, but last year they were up against NXT the week they weren't up at, the week they stopped going up against NXT. They did 1.2 million viewers and a 0.44, which was, you know, a lot bigger, than what this week's number is. So we're going to have to kind of wait and see as far as the year to year, what the real year to year growth is, but still being number one on cable is, you know, your number one on cable. And even if you take out that first quarter, if you average the other seven quarters, they still, it was still would have been a 0.39, which would have still been number one. So um, it's obviously a win, but um the year to year is going is going to be one of those things. I know there's those anti AEW trolls out there that they're going to be like, oh, uh, look at is the popularity has dropped, and it's like, no, that's not the case. They, it's right. just they had NXT competition last year, and they don't this year. But uh, yeah, you mentioned the year to year comparison. A question I want to ask Matt here is: This is the Fallout show from AEW Revolution, um, a show, a card, matches that were praised pretty universally. And we didn't hit seven figures overall. Is this something that you think is disappointing? Or do you think that 945 number is still happy? I think it's disappointing anytime they get below a million. I think they should have more. And I think, first of all, let me just say, Adam Page, awesome guy. Super cool dude. Super nice to my son. Couldn't be a nicer guy, okay? But as a business owner, I'm not sure if you've ever read the book, the book Good to Great, I'm not sure he's in the right seat on the bus on the pathway to success for AEW. Like, if you look at the quarter hours, and I hate seeing him because I like Adam Page personally a lot, but it seems to drop during his matches. Now, Cole's probably not the answer. I thought Cole was the answer a big Cole fan. But really, if the AEW championship is dropping so precipitously, and it's not the first week it happened, like, I think we need to get, dude, they signed CM Punk. They signed Daniel Bryan. They signed Jeff Hardy. Let's get someone in there who's going to make a difference and find a good seat on the bus for Adam Cole, which might be a super hot tag team or a blood feud or the TNT title, and really let them all rise together because I think 
the evidence is there that a- Adam Page is not necessarily the answer for AW as the top guy. At least not yet. And, not yet. And- I mean, dude, he's young and he's yeah. great, you know. But <laughs> right. again, I hate to say it because, you know, I remember at All In, my son walked by him. And I don't know if you remember the BTE plot, but he wasn't wearing any cowboy boots. My son goes, wear your shoes. And Paige goes, man, I don't have any shoes. What are you talking about? You know, it's the coolest thing, you know, because apparently the cowboy boots are involved in a murder or something, right? But Paige was, it was literally my son and Matthew in the room by themselves. He's like, I don't have any shoes, man. What are you talking about? So, like, I love the guy. He's the sweetest guy. But at the same time, I don't know if he's there yet. Yeah. And I do got to say, you know, when I'm bringing up his quarter, you know, there was that big drop. It wasn't necessarily his fault. It was that's where the show was the rest of the time. You know, it was it, basically it dropped to 924 for the Adam Page match. But the rest of the show, you average those um, seven quarters. It did 921. So it's just that they get a big boost from Big Bang Theory. And for whatever reason, it was bigger than this week than it was last week. But yeah, I, I do agree. I feel like I just feel like a, a mistake with some of the, these Adam Cole feuds is that the other person is the alpha in the feud. They're the ones that are doing the talking. They're the ones that are kind of dry. They're, the, you know, they're, we're going to, we're going to talk about the Batman later, but they're Jack Nicholson, you know, <laughs> from the first Batman while, uh, you, you know, a hangman page is Michael Keaton and he needs to be, he, he, you know, he needs to be black Adam who we'll get to later, but you know, he needs to be, the main guy in one of these feuds where he's doing the talking and he's doing the backing up. Well, and he might not be it. that guy though. He <laughs> might not be that guy is the thing. Yeah. And you know, when you think about big baby face champions, it's hard to have a baby face champion on top. You gotta be Austin. You gotta be Hogan. It's hard to do that and let your company grow. Cena was a baby face champion at the time. The WWE declined. He might not be that guy. And that's not to say anything negative about Hangman. Yeah. And Moxley, I, I thought pulled it off as well. Yeah, and Moxley also had that edge to him. And I know Hangman is trying to get that edge too. He's the, the feuds are getting a little bloodier, but still, I, I I think he needs that feud that takes him to the next level. And people in the chat are saying that as well. Stellar Justin Lopez always supporting these streams. Thank you so much, Justin. He says Hangman and Punk should be the direction for double or nothing, and then put the title on Punk. Anthony Y also agreeing. Just give us CM Punk versus Adam Page at double or nothing, and also giving that shout out to Adam Cole and Kenny Omega at double or nothing. So, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big match that a lot of people feel like we're pointing towards. And everyone kind of looked at MJF and Punk as a pseudo number one contenders match. We already kind of talked about it. That does seem to be the direction. Raj, do you agree that it's time to put the title on CM Punk? I think so. Um you know, we'll see two and a half months from now. Uh, Double or nothing is still a long ways away, and I can't see them doing it before Double or Nothing. I mean, that's a that's a big match. Um, so you know, maybe things kind of change in that time, but I don't see that happening. Uh, so yeah, I, I kind of think it'd be. I think Punk would kind of refresh the the World Championship division, and then you could bring up someone like an. You know, you could always go back to MJF or you know someone else, but I, I do think. If with how everything stands today, uh, that would be the right move. And Matt, we think CM Punk walks away as champ if that match happens. I would, I, I would highly advise it. <laughs> you know, like CM Punk is a guy that people know. You know, and I'm always the guy who's kind of like wanting the heel turn. I'm not sure uh, how a uh, um, a babyface CM Punk and an Adam Page beating a Adam Page um, makes Adam Page not look terrible. So plus CM Punk, man. He is a great heel. I just think regardless, put the title on him. It's not like we can say CM Punk should never have a top run again. Like this could be the one. This could be, hey, this is his one last run. You know, and for AEW, it's the right move for several reasons. Checks a lot of boxes, but mostly gets people talking. People are going to say, they're going to watch Big Bang Theory and they're going to lead into AEW. They're going to say, oh, CM Punk world champion. I remember him. Okay. Yeah, and when it comes to, like, paired with the right opponent, Punk can get booed. We saw it happen with Eddie Kingston. Obviously, Eddie Kingston on the mic is very different from Hangman Adam Page, but still, you know, if Punk can get that out of Hangman, the same thing that he got out of Eddie Kingston, it could work, and we could get Hangman getting more cheers over Punk. Raj, you did mention Double or Nothing is a ways away, and one thing that is even a further ways away now is Black Adam. That's a segue for you. 
folks black adam entertainment news let's talk about it the rock announced on instagram that his debut dc project as the titular character black adam is being bumped from july 29th to october 21st now guys a little history lesson for black adam this movie has been in development for nearly two decades it took a while to get rock attached to the project officially and once they officially announced him in the role it took maybe three years to get a script off the ground another couple years to get a director on board and finally they were able to start shooting and then COVID hit and then delays and delays finally they were at production this movie is just about in the can except for some vfx woes but we already have seen some footage in both a trailer shown at dc fandom last august as well as some new shots of dwayne johnson in the black and gold at a super bowl commercial earlier this year now raj i'll go to you first i know you mentioned that you're not too familiar with the character but what from what you've seen so far i should say what are your thoughts on this role for the rock yeah i've been hearing about it forever and that's not the only rock dc movie that's been uh postponed uh dc super uh dc league of super pets is moving to july 29th uh, which was the, which was black adam's original date mm -hmm. and that was originally supposed to come out in may so uh, yeah uh Warner Brothers shifting a whole bunch of stuff around. Uh, the Flash, Aquaman 2, Wonka, um, Shazam 2. So it, it, they, it, they, they haven't given a reason yet that I've seen. Um, so, it, I, you know, maybe they feel like things are getting back to normal and people are getting more and more used to going back to the theaters. Let's get them more used to going back. I don't know, because Batman, the Batman opened huge. Spider-Man opened huge. So it seems like with the right attraction, people are going back to the theaters. But... Uh, I thought it looked cool. You know, I, I can't believe that The Rock hasn't been in a, a, a DC or Marvel superhero movie yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, he looks like a superhero. So it's, so I, I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm definitely going to be checking it out. It's definitely been a long time coming. Matt, I don't know your level of expertise when it comes to the Black Adam character, but I know you know all about The Rock. Does this delay, though, hurt your anticipation for the film? I'm a DC guy as a kid. I've become more of a Marvel guy as I got older. They made these awesome movies. But I'm familiar with Black Adam. I'm also familiar with with a, a little bit of Hollywood history. Uh, and I think this is kind of a uh-oh. Like, when you look at everything you just said, Liam, everything you just said, is the end of that story ever and the movie killed? Like, is it ever? They had all these problems. They get finally attached a director. Take COVID out of it. All those other things you're saying. Oh, by the way. Let's move it from July to October. That that's that is not a vote of confidence, you know. Waterworld, <laughs> right? Like you know, of course, The Rock is going to kill it. Like The Rock can kill it as anything. And a superhero, he, you know, they might even say, "Hey, man, uh, could you stop working out so much when you play the superhero role? Because you're making all these other superheroes look a little bit less like superheroes." He looks like a superhero. But this has Bob Ruski written all over it. And it's it just has literally, you named like 10 red flags, which usually any one of those is something to cause concern on a big budget, effects-oriented, star-driven, superhero-type project. Not to mention DC being involved, which is not always, which is usually actually a bad sign. <laughs> but do you think with the fact that they are also moving Aquaman 2 and The Flash... And Shazam too. Do you think maybe it's not the quality, like, but maybe I don't know. During the pandemic, they didn't. Maybe the visual effects weren't the best, so they want to fix those up or upgrade them. Uh, I don't. I, it just seems like all these movies are delayed, as opposed to you know just just one. Yeah, uh, the Aquaman director James Wan straight up said it was a VFX issue, but he wrapped filming of that film in January, and post production takes a while, but you know, 11 months, you got to wonder how much validity there is to that statement. Either right. way, though, Aquaman only delayed three months. The Flash is the crazy one. That's eight months. But Black Adam, the, the biggest woe with this is it's being said in the chat too. the fact that DC during the weekend of the Super Bowl did it. They didn't air this commercial on the Super Bowl, just in the festivities leading up the pre-shows, the kickoff panels, what have you. They celebrated their 2022 slate. They said we got the Batman Black Adam, The Flash, and Aquaman all hitting theaters in 2022. It's Warner Brothers' triumphant return after doing all day and date releases with HBO Max last year. And now only two of those films are coming out in 2022. The Batman already hit theaters and Black Adam still coming out in October. And the other one that's taking the December date is Shazam 2, bumped up from June of 2023 
to this December. So there's oh, that was bumped of, up. I thought it was okay. Gotcha. There's a lot of wonkiness going on, and Matt, you kind of said it best. Does this ever end with a happy ending? <laughs> I don't know, it, but still, it, it's the Rock and a Superior movie with DC being involved. Like I've seen Justice League. And I've seen Endgame. You know what I'm saying? Like, so there's a there's a there's a distinct possibility that all these movies suck. Like Aquaman <laughs> was good, Wonder Woman was good, but I mean, when you have back to back movies like Batman and Superman, and then the Justice League, which missed the mark by just the largest possible margin available in a market, by the way, that was ready to receive it. We wanted okay, we got the Marvel, bring on the DC, and it was just awful. Just terrible missed the mark to such a huge degree there is a possibility that they're having some they're trying to fix these movies like they try to do with justice league that's what it feels like to me that okay yeah you gotta have special effects but let's fix these in post and as a musician who's recorded a lot of music there ain't no fixing in post people it, that's not a <laughs> thing it's not real yeah i i'm right there with you i think that you know post-production woes you can only clean up so much and if you want to make it as visually appealing as possible great the story has to be there, though. That's what's going to drive people to the theaters. And one thing that's driving people to the streaming screens is with Disney+. Plus. It's Obi-Wan Kenobi. We chatted Boba Fett on one of the earlier editions of the Thursday Night Wrestling Inc. podcast. And now Star Wars is returning in just a couple of months on May 25th with Ewan McGregor's solo series on the famous Jedi Knight. And that trailer has finally arrived Kenobi was at full center as well as the live action debut of the Inquisitors and the return of that iconic John Williams score, Duel of the Fates. Raj, I know a lot of that probably means nothing to you. As you said, you admit that you're not too big of a Star Wars fan, but were you able to check out this trailer? I did. I, did what did you think? Yeah, I did. And I love because I love that that uh that theme, you know, from the 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 first pre prequel. Um, mm, yes. with Darth Maul, what that was the Force Awakens, is the right? Phantom Menace, Phantom, Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah, that was the one with Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> but it had that awesome fight, uh, the fight sequence with uh, Darth Maul, and it was Obi Wan, right? With the, yep. the da -da 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 -da. so yeah, you got it. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that that theme gets me pumped. It looked, it looked really cool. You know, the thing with these uh, these spin offs, and when they have so many of them. It almost feels over overwhelming to get into it because I'm like, if I start watching, am I going to know what's going on, or did I need to see the Mandalorian and Boba Fett? And is there you know st storyline stuff from those that I I missed, or I didn't watch all the last three Star Wars movies? I didn't see Han Solo either, and uh, what was the other one? Um, or Solo, and there was one more, right? Rise of Skywalker, maybe Rogue Rogue One. one. Rogue One, because yeah. you had the nine of the, you know, the the straight up Star Wars, and then you had three others, uh, just right? two others for now, just two others. Okay, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm always worried that since I didn't see all of them, I'm not going to get what's happening. But I'm, you know, I'll try it out uh, once it once it comes out. Matt, I got to ask you: Are you a, a Star Wars guy? Because I don't believe you were on the the Boba Fett review. I think that was uh, just no, I don't. I don't think I was I'm a Star Wars guy from way back, you know, maybe I'm a one or two years older than Raj, but I, you know, I remember being spoiled about Empire Strikes Back by my next door neighbor, you know, and going, dude, but you had to, how do you not say that to somebody? You're like, dude, you, you won't even know like Darth Vader's his dad, bro. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing with Star Wars versus Marvel, right? Cause Marvel is kind of doing all this world building with all these different guys. And then they all come together while with, Star Wars, it's kind of retrofitting and retrograding a story uh, to create the mythology that already exists. Now, of course, a lot of this stuff's already been created in in books, in many, many, many books, and many, many, many uh, cartoons and things like that. But I think this is a great thing for you and McGregor to kind of shake off the 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 terribleness uh, of of what it was of some of the prequels, you know, and also to let his character kind of shine a little bit more. Of course, John Williams being involved. I don't know if we can argue there's a better uh, person to score a movie in the history of movies. Maybe, you know, you got Tim, uh, Danny Elfman and you've got John Williams. Those are the two of my lifetime. So I'm into it. I'm for it. I think maybe the great untold story that hasn't been told is those years of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. 
Can I throw a name on your list with John Williams and Danny Elfman? I wonder sure. if we have the same name. Three? Bill Conti. Oh, I was going to say Hans Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, Hans Zimmer is great too. Who'd you have, Raj? Bill Conti. He did the Rocky scores, Karate Kid. Mm. Oh, Those. fantastic. Yeah. And of course, Hans Zimmer's a legend too. But like, if you think about songs that have reached the ethos, of course, Rocky, of course. But when you think about like all the Star Wars stuff and then the Superman stuff, it's mm. pretty iconic uh, stuff. And, and if you really look at like like wrestling themes, how does it improve the movie? How does it make the movie better? You know, uh, you can't really argue we got against that Rocky theme, but man, does John Williams make a movie better and get you excited and make you want to see it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the audio cue. It resurrects that nostalgia. Like you said, Raj, it brought you back to the Phantom Menace. And if you had a positive experience with that movie, you're having a positive experience with this trailer and it gets you more excited. That's all you can ask for at the end of the day. Before we get, go into our last entertainment topic, we have a couple super chats here from Stellar Justin Lopez. Thank you much, so, so much, uh, Justin. He says, they played that exact promo, Liam, before the Batman. This is more of the left yep. hand not knowing what the right hand is saying. <laughs> WB's DC Universe has been. He continues a mess for years. They excel better at solo projects like the Joker and the Batman. Yeah, it just goes to show, you know, this movie opens on March 4th. They're touting their 2022 theatrical slate. And just, what, five days later, this news came out yesterday on March 9th. Everything's been shaken up. It's a lack of... Uh, communication and he mentions that the the stellar uh stuff that's coming out are those solo projects and that solo project in theaters right now is the batman raj i'll ask you first did you get a chance to see this movie no i have not it's it's tough for me to go to the movies with kids and work and you know like uh you, you got to get a babysitter and then you know pay for the babysitter and then you know uh, it, it and, and just finding that free time to go to a movie it, i really want to go but uh it's it's looking tough. It's looking like I might have to wait till it's on streaming. Well, it's we're going to spoil because... spoil the hell out of it for you right now, Rod. Sorry about that. Um... <laughs> no, it's... It, it, it's funny too because I said in the question I wrote down in our rundown, is this the film that gets Raj to the theater? Who knows? Maybe we can drum up it your interest. Might still happen. But my daughters don't want to see it, so you know it's one of those I can't <laughs> take them. Is the problem? If can they I wanted ask... to go, I'm in. Can I ask how old your your kids are? They're 11 and 12. Okay, maybe, maybe Matt. I'll, I'll let you be the judge here, but this is a pretty violent Batman movie. It borderline is rated R. Matt, you mentioned on Twitter that you were looking forward to talking about this movie, and I'm curious sure. about your thoughts because I overall had a great time. There are absolutely flaws in it, but I thought the pros outweighed the cons. What are your overall thoughts of the Batman? I, I love that Liam's downplaying it now because the video that he made when he came out of the theater, I want to say there was like <laughs> tears streaming down his face, and he's walking out like. This is the greatest, this is the greatest thing. No, I'm teasing a little bit, but uh, you know, you were very effusive in your praise and I was like, wow, we got to see this. And you know, Raj, uh, working with uh, kids, the age of your kids, uh, they have no interest in the Batman for sure. Sorry about that. Uh, I have a 19 year old son. So that was happening. We were going to go see that. Good movie. The pacing was really slow. It kind of killed me a little bit, especially towards the end. I did not, uh, that's kind of my main complaint is that they really had some scenes that they could have they could have edited like probably a good 30 minutes off of that movie and just you know kind of that lord of the rings thing where you have these long meandering shots to kind of capture the aesthetic we saw the aesthetic um but overall a good movie a worthy reset of the batman uh from the from the previous three movies uh, definitely a worthy reset definitely a good aesthetic I love that they retrograded all the technology. They didn't just make it bigger and bigger and bigger. They said, okay, let's get back to basics, you know. But I do have a couple of logical uh, issues with the movie I'm going to bring up right now, if you don't mind. Uh, first of all, um, should we just ban all public gatherings in Gotham? Should we just get rid of any time, <laughs> like, like, not like sports events, but anytime a bunch of guys wear suits, we should just ban that because they're all going to die every single time, right? <laughs> And the second one is, and sorry about this, Roger, you can spoil a little bit, but who in the hell is in charge of Arkham Asylum where you put the Joker and the Riddler in cells next to each other where they can just talk about stuff? You got like a guy who literally started a revolution, another guy who drowned an entire city. And like, you know what? We should let these guys get together on best practices. I think that's a good idea. Uh, those are two kind of funny, logical things um, about the movie. But overall, Zoe, Zoe Kravitz, 
fantastic. It seemed like yesterday I was listening to Always on the Run by Lenny Kravitz. There's a song on there called Flowers for Zoe about this baby that was born. And now she's like, my son's coming out of the movie going, she's hot, man. Like she's, she's <laughs> you know? so I, I'm like, what? She's a baby. What are you talking about? So I got a question for you guys. So my favorite superhero movie of all time is uh, <clears throat> is uh, the the Heath, Heath Ledger uh, Joker, uh, the Joker one. But with Batman, the Jack Nicholson, Michael Keaton one, Batman begins... And this one, as far as the first, you know, in in this in a new series, which was the best? I personally think this is far and away the best of those yeah. three. I just thought, like, like you mentioned, Matt, there were some pacing issues, but I thought the world building they set up, they really maximized that runtime. Like, it did drag in certain moments, but I didn't think that they... They spent too much time on one aspect. I love the car chase scene. I love the opening scenes. I love the DIY-ness of Batman. And I love getting into Riddler's psyche and like unraveling the mystery and planting seeds too for future angles they can take it. Matt, what do, what do you think about this being the first, the third time they've done a first technically? Because Batman and Robin and Batman yeah. Forever are kind of sort of connected continuity yeah. I, I do like the fact that you can logically without having to shoehorn them in get catwoman riddler joker and penguin all on the next one right because they were all kind of introduced in a very organic way um batman begins is an amazing movie to me i think just as a as an old man that used to read batman comics by the light of my lamp as a child to have those years explained to me you know that have those years really explained to me on film that they said, you know, previous, unless you got really deep into the graphic novel era of Batman, it was like, well, his parents died. He saw a bat and now he's Batman. And, you know, it's like Batman <laughs> Begins really tells that story and it in a very, a very cool way that makes you understand his motivations better. And this movie did a good job of that as well. I would prefer the Batman Begins, but I have no problem seeing this movie, uh, seeing the sequels of this movie. And I thought it was a very good outing. And just just a million times better than most stuff that dc puts out so you have to give him credit for that yeah the creative freedom was unparalleled too like matt reeves's vision was allowed to be realized and we mentioned too uh the red flagness of a lot of delays and everything this movie had been th through the ringer as well it started out as a ben affleck directed and starring sequel to batman v superman and then ben affleck dropped out of the director's chair and matt reeves was brought in and then ben affleck left the role and then they wiped it out of the dceu universe continuity completely and said make a standalone batman movie the amount of scripts this movie had to have gone through i can't imagine probably 10 to 15 and what they delivered was a pretty satisfying result that made 134 million dollars opening weekend which is a pretty high number considering the pandemic era we're kind of in at the box office and real quick stellar justin lopez saying got to disagree with you liam i love this movie but the dark knight is still the goat batman movie that i did not include that i, I as one of the options so yes but dark yes. knight is yours dark though, knight Rush. Is... <laughs> <laughs> right dark knight's yours you were saying that he yes. led your joke right yeah, yeah that's mine favorite. yeah that's my favorite superhero movie, totally, you know, ever of all oh. superhero movies. That, that, and uh, after that, it'd be the 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 Tobey Maguire first Spider Man. Dark Knight is still my number one. I want to make that clear. I think <laughs> I think it's better than Batman Begins as a first movie, but man, like Dark Knight is pretty untouchable. It's one of those films that I don't know can ever be topped because it gets better with age and the nostalgia factor too. Of you remember the first time you saw it and you remember the emotions and everything and. Yeah, I, I don't know if The Dark Knight can ever be top, but I think the Batman did not really try to compete with it. I think it was a nice alternative, if you will. And Robert Pattinson as Batman, like, I think, you know, Batman needs to be, Bruce Wayne, needs to be transparent. He needs to be kind of uneventful, and he needs to be just kind of this invisible guy that things just pass through. And he was perfect at that, like... Maybe my favorite Bruce Wayne ever. He was just perfect. He's a guy who's deeply disturbed. And you can tell he's, he's so like edgy and emo. And, you know, he looks like he plays bass for Fallout Boy. You know, like he's he's <laughs> he's a perfect Batman because it's not like George Clooney, you know, like or or someone like that. He just pops off the screen. You're like, oh, it's Michael Keaton. I mean, it didn't even look like Robert Pattinson. It just looked like some crazy dark guy who decided to become Batman. And I thought that really, really worked. Do we all agree that George Clooney was the worst Batman? 
Yeah. <laughs> ben Affleck is pretty bad, bro. Like, no, he didn't have his own movie, though. That's true. Thank God for that. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, I thought, uh, you know, what, what's the last guy who played Batman? I'm sorry, I'm blanking. He was really Christian good. Bale. Too. Christian Bale is really good, too. Really but good. I, I liked, I could understand. I understand Christian Bale. He's like, seemed like he was just Batman and out there living the life and all that. This Batman seemed like, bro, my parents were killed. And I'm affected. And I, I kind of think that totally worked. I will say, though, I, I like your perspective because it's kind of opening me up to him being this invisible figure. But I think he needs to kind of embrace the Playboy alter ego because to me, if I was a Gotham citizen, that dude is Batman. Oh, oh, the, the rich guy with all the all the assets in the world, all the money in the world who doesn't have a nine to five and, you know, has his hair shagging in front of his face. I'm pretty sure that guy's Batman. Also, you know, the jawline is incredibly <laughs> recognizable. So who knows? But they're definitely going to uh, probably expand into that side of the character if, as things go on. He, he seems like he's a step away from getting like a bat tattoo on his neck like Cody Rhodes, you know? <laughs> and they're like, are you Batman? Nah, man, I just have a bat tattoo. It's cool, man. <laughs> I kind of like that idea. Give, give, him a, give him a Cody Rhodes Batman tattoo. Right Before we wrap up this stream, though, we do have a couple super chats I want to get to. Uh, Mike D mentioning Demolition with Crush. For the 2022 Hall of Fame. This is just uh, a rumor, right? Because all we got right now is Vader and Taker. Oh, it's not a rumor. I, I don't, at least I haven't heard it. I heard it's the Steiner brothers, which is interesting because Scott Steiner was, uh, you know, what's it, what's that term? Grata non something Persona non grata. Non grata. Persona Persona non grata. Grata a lot of He was <laughs> banned from the Hall of Fame ceremony years ago. So, and Scott Steiner would constantly rip on the Hall of Fame and just, you know, saying there is no Hall of Fame. There's, you know, I just tear it to shred. So it's surprising, but that's what I heard. But demolition in the Hall of Fame at some point is a no brainer. And uh, I know Axe was a big part of the concussion lawsuit and has had other, uh, you know, IP related lawsuits with WWE over the years. And that's probably the main reason why they're not in. But I don't see it with Crush. It, it's got to be Axe and Smash. And also, if, as you say, and as a, if I strongly, strongly, strongly suspect the Steiner brothers are going into the Hall of Fame, um, I think a little bit might have to do with uh, Triple H not really being in a position of power because Scott Steiner and Triple H had some issues, right? They right. did not get along. And Vince is known to just rise above those issues. You go, come on, pal. What happened happened. Let's make some money together. Come in and make some T-shirt money and you'll be fine. And Scott Steiner. You know, age does a lot of things to people and it makes people mature and change. And Scott Steiner, a lot of what he used to do was okay, he's legit, you know, a little offset, but also a lot of a lot was in gimmick too. You know, Scott Steiner always kind of played up that wild card gimmick. And I think uh if you have the Steiners, you're not doing demolition. Yeah. Well, here's hoping if they do do the Steiners, we'll get Rex Steiner officially and we can ditch Braun Breaker. I think that's the Please. one thing that's holding you back from really becoming a Braun Breaker guy. When Braun, when Braun Breaker talks, there are so many times where I think it sounds like Scott, not even Rick, you know, or he sounds like For Scott. Sure. Think about this, though. I'm sorry, but think about how limiting that name is. Like Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. If he did not have that name, Razor Ramon, if he was not to have a razor blades, which kind of relay that he was a drug dealer, like he <laughs> would have gone to the, to the headline. But you can't put a fake Cuban drug dealer as the Hall of Fame or as a, the main guy, Braun Breaker, that is not a main event name. Yeah. And it, it, is, it is limiting and it's going to limit him and his career unless they change it. And that's why Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were much bigger stars than Diesel and Razor Ramon. That's a good point. That's a good point. We got another super chat here from Brian Berry who says WWE really wants Rollins versus Cody at Mania and it's in Cody's court now. I know he currently hasn't signed. A contract anywhere and people are saying talks might have fizzled out or maybe they just reached a standstill raj what do you think about cody versus seth rollins at wrestlemania are we too close to mania itself to properly build that match well i had mentioned this on the sunday podcast that as of last sunday nothing was off the table um cody hadn't signed uh he has his options and uh yeah if he chooses wwe i would think this Monday, you know, in Jacksonville would be the place to debut him. So, and, you know, obviously that was the plan Rollins versus Cody uh, that they had been talking about. So 
you know, yeah, I, I, if it happens, I think it happens Monday. Otherwise, it's probably not happening. No one sells a, uh, a crossroads quite like Seth Rollins. I'll say that much. Matt, <laughs> what do you think about Seth Rollins versus Cody on the showcase of the Immortals? I suspect that WWE, as, as Lance Storm uh, may have uh, put out there, has done a really good job at throwing some kind of general stories out there to press release, press sites to put out there to kind of cover their backing if it doesn't happen, right? And to kind of get the word out if it does happen. I think whatever's going to happen with Cody, I think it's happened. I think whatever's going to happen, it's happened. If he's still with AEW, he signed with AEW. If he signed with WWE, he's with WWE. It's There's no way they're sitting there with this open contract on in Cody's brand new house and just going... Well, I don't know. I don't know, Brandy. What do you think? Like, like it's it's been like a month now, right? So my feeling is they've had it. So many of these matches have not had a build up. You know, um, I think it would be almost weird to have Cody just have a match now at WrestleMania. I think he is this made for a Raw after WrestleMania moment. That's a perfect opening. The Brock Lesnar appearance or whatever you want to say that Raw after WrestleMania seg one play King that my kingdom. I would love it if they got the song, which I believe he has the rights to and let Cody come out, just cut a promo. I think that is the money. WrestleMania night one looks loaded light two. I think they're going to load it up some more, but I'm not sure if, if there's enough time or enough will to have a short lived build up feud part five, you know, cause we've already had a bunch of them. It's a good point, and we'll see what happens over the, these next couple of weeks. One final Super Chat before we wrap things up. Again, from Stellar Justin Lopez. Thank you so much, Justin, for always supporting the stream. He says, Robert Pattinson is the Batman and shed his Twilight image. Raj, did you see any of the Twilight movies one time? <laughs> it's okay for you to say no. I have not, no. I saw the first one a while ago. Uh, I caught it on like FX and I was like, oh, look, Robert Pattinson. I'll check this out. Uh, Cedric yeah. Diggory. That's who I know him as. I know him as Cedric from the Harry Potter movies. Same here. Right. That's that's where yeah. I know him from. Yeah. He was the guy who died, right? He died in Harry Potter. First. He was the yeah. first one to die, right? Yeah. Goblet yeah. of Fire. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch the Twilight movies either, but, um, you know, I'm aware of who he is. <laughs> and I, I think he. I was a little, you know, you're always you're always a little scared when you hear someone being signed for Batman, you know, like ooh, it's Affleck or ooh, it's Robert Patterson. Oh, okay, what are they going to do with this guy? I think he did as well as anybody could have expected him to do. I think you could give him good marks for what he did and the direction he got. Yeah, he's in a really good spot. He's someone who's always always gets nominated for awards, and he always does really cool projects outside of the popcorn flicks like the Batman, but that's going to do it for the Thursday night edition of the wrestling Inc podcast. We hope you all had a great time covering all the wacky topics from the world of pro wrestling and entertainment. Before we officially get out of here, one more super chat. Wow. Look at this at the buzzer, Brian Berry saying, Raj, are you happy to have a quarterback now? What a great question. Cause Raj, this has actually been on my mind. I know <laughs> you are a diehard Denver Broncos fan and your team was on the receiving end of the good side of one of the biggest blockbuster trades in NFL history, Russell Wilson, what are your thoughts? Uh, so that day, it was such a roller coaster of a day to be a Broncos fan. Because that morning, Aaron Rodgers, you know, is is back to the Packers. And it's like, oh, well, damn, there it goes. And then it was like two hours later where they announced that uh, Russell Wilson was coming in. So I'm, I'm elated. Um, it, it, we finally seem to have some momentum for the first time since Manning. So let's uh you know let's there's a lot bigger nfl picks next week justin uh justin labar is going to join us so we'll talk a little nfl and a little surprise justin all these years uh, had never seen the rocky movies he's seen creed he had never seen any rocky movies so next week we are gonna have him watch it and we're gonna all review rocky three me liam and justin rocky three is the first one he's gonna watch fantastic that's such a better idea than going one two three yeah, you do one's one. a little slow now to go back. Right. If you that. do one first, you'll lose interest in three. Matthew, my son, I showed him his first Rocky movie. I chose four because, yes. of course, James Brown. Like, what the hell? How do you not have – like, I told I told Matthew, I go, you're not going to believe this, but there's literally like a five-minute James Brown sings a song segment. He's like, what? I'm like, just wait for it. Rocky four, <laughs> Rocky three tied for me. They're both these yeah. over-the-top entertainment, you know, cornucopias. They're fantastic. 
Well, Rocky Four is like a long music video, and it's awesome. Like it's like <laughs> montages and songs. And, it's ridiculous. And then a couple, a little bit of dialogue here and there. Right. And it's like one third flashback. It's wonderful. It's like it's, <laughs> it's like one third flashback to movies you already paid to see. It's, it's just it's it's like no other movie ever made. Yeah. Next week's gonna be a good time. Rocky three on the podcast as well as all your top wrestling news. But before we officially get out of here, Raj, you can follow him on his social right down there below. Raj Gary underscore three oh three. Anything fun you got planned on the wrestlinginc.com side of things that you want to shout out? I just keep checking the site out. It's crazy. I, I'm like, it's there's so much going on right now that my brain's a little fried. <laughs> uh, like we had recently, we had Wardlow. We just interviewed him the other uh, last week, uh, exclusive with him. We had an exclusive with Chavo Guerrero, who talked about who was kind of unhappy with how his AEW stint ended. Um, and a bunch of great stuff that you know we asked Tony Khan about at the uh, AEW Revolution post uh, post event presser. So. Keep your keep your eyes glued to Wrestling Inc. There's just so much going on right now, and we're staying on top of it. And in the world of Matt Coon, at Matt Coon Music, I know you finally got your Twitter back. Congratulations about that. Anything else yeah. you got fun going on that you want to shout out? Very happy about that. Uh, it was gone for eight months. I got all my followers back. And the thing is, I just wrote a very polite letter to Twitter like every three or four days. Every three or four days, I was just like, hey, here's the deal. And eventually, they just gave in, you know? It's a lot like, have you ever seen Shawshank Redemption, where they finally got the guy the books, you know, after he wrote um, over and over again? Uh, there's some stuff coming up in my world, apparently. You know, it's uh, the old line, just when I thought I was out, they dragged me back in. Can't talk too much about it right now, but it appears that um, some cool stuff's going to be happening, and I'm not done with the podcast world. So we'll nice. see, but please follow me and have some fun at Mac Good Music. And you're still going to keep doing this, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is this is kind of what got me kind of feeling it again because I wasn't at all. I'm just doing this and Rosh tricking me with pop culture that we talk about wrestling. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I like talking about wrestling. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> is it too late to do uh, Dexter one of these weeks? Or has oh, that dude. Time I've been needing awesome. to watch Dexter for a very long time. So this might be the, the boost I need. Let's you talking about the new season? Yeah, the new season. Or even like if Liam's never seen it, like the first two seasons, he can watch the first two seasons and just skip on to the, the new season, you know? Um, uh, yeah, Dexter's an amazing show. And the new season, I loved it. I loved it a lot. I thought it was great. And for, season four was the Trinity season. So you definitely yeah. got to see that one. And okay. then you can skip the rest. And then yeah, when, check out the door. When Raj and I like tweeted each other, this is literally never about wrestling. It's like about <laughs> Cobra Kai or Dexter. And, and, and everybody's probably going, these, are these guys wrestling guys? We're like, dude, have you seen Cobra Kai yet? It is amazing. <laughs> you know, so uh, Dexter's amazing, Liam. You, you will love Dexter. You'll love it. Okay. You should just watch yeah. episode one today and just be like, oh, I'm in. I'm in forever. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, check it out. I'll have to check it out. My spring break is next week, and I don't have any any fancy vacation plans, so it looks like we're binging some television. Uh, you can follow me on social media down below at Liam T. Crowley. If you want to check out some of my wrestling ink work, I just did an interview with Marissa Rose Brightman, the star of Against the Ropes, uh, a very fantastic miniseries spotlighting uh, a professional wrestler and just going through her journey of you know self-identity through her teenage years while also trying to become a wrestler in this crazy world. It's a lot of fun. It's already up on Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube. Make sure to also support at Wrestling Inc. on TikTok. We're very close to 20,000 followers, and I'm very proud of that. So hopefully we can keep bringing you more daily wrestling news updates. But for all of us here, Raj and Matt, I've been Liam. Thank you for joining the Thursday night edition of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. We will be back next week with wrestling news and Rocky 3. We'll see you then.